Chris and praise team, thank you so much for reminding us that even when the mountains around us tremble, that we can still praise God because he is a good, good God. This morning, I know many of you are experiencing times in your life where you feel like the mountains around you are trembling. And as we start our time together this morning, I just want to take a second and pray for you and ask God that even in the midst of the mountains trembling, that you would still be able to praise him because he's a good God. Father, Lord, I thank you so much for your word. Lord, I thank you that we're able to praise you even in the middle of the storms, that when we feel like the mountains around us are trembling and things in our life are out of control, Lord, that we can still turn and praise you. And Lord, I pray that we will do that this morning. And we ask it all in your son's name, amen. You know, I am so excited because in just one week, we're going to have the option to meet together. You know, some people are going to still join us online, but we're going to be able to be back here at our facility and worship together. I would encourage you, check out the details on that about uh, July 5th and what's going on. And I would encourage you, if you feel comfortable, come be a part of it with us. This morning, I am so excited that I get to uh, deliver the word to you this morning that I had to preach and follow up in this series as Lawrence alluded to in the last couple weeks, I get to approach the tough subjects that he's too afraid to approach. You know, this morning we're going to hit on circumcision and eunuchs, you know, those things that he doesn't quite want to hit. I'm just kidding, but you get the idea. What we're going to do is just continue in this series together. You know, this series has been one of the most timely series for our church and for our community. You know, I believe that it's something that is transforming us from the inside out. We're taking a look at this idea of living a life that is sent. That we as individuals and we corporately can make a difference in the world around us when we choose to implement the gospel into every area of our life. In the first week of this series, Lawrence shared with us how God called Saul to ministry. How God called him from where he was at and set him apart specifically for the purpose of making a kingdom difference among the Jewish people. Out of that, we learn that each one of us are called. Each one of us can make a difference in the lives of those around us. In the last two weeks, Lawrence has looked at the power of the gospel, that when we live out the gospel, we break down barriers that divide us. That the gospel breaks down socioeconomic and racial barriers. You know, last week as he spoke, he talked about the idea that our church is not going to become a melting pot of many different nations, but it's going to become a mosaic that values the gifting and the beauty and the cultures and the personalities of every person who calls this church their home. You know, when I began to think about that, we began to ask ourselves the question, is there something in my life or is there something in our church that's causing us not to lean into the mosaic that God is creating? You know, as we began to look at that, this week leads into the idea of what does it look like when an individual gives their lives to the gospel? What does it look like when somebody gives everything that they have to bring the hope to the people around them? This week, we're going to follow up with Acts chapter 11. You know, the character in this book of Acts that we're going to look at is one of the most underrated characters, I believe, in the New Testament. I believe more can be attributed to them, him than almost anyone, but yet very little is known to him. And his name is Barnabas. You know, Barnabas has a meaning. 
And Barnabas was known to everyone who knows him as a certain thing. And this morning, I want to back up a little bit in the book of Acts and really take a look at Barnabas and what made him unique. And I believe that by doing this, each one of us can take a look at our own lives and say, can I be just like this and make a world difference for the kingdom? In Acts chapter 4, we get our first view of this person named Barnabas. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 32, it says, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. You know, I get the picture of this early church that's meeting here is, is kind of this group of people that just loved each other. You know, they had what I tend to call refrigerator rights. You know, refrigerator rights are those friends that I have that whenever they come over to my house, they can just open the refrigerator door and help them to whatever drink or whatever's in the refrigerator. And we just have everything and share everything that we have. And that's the picture that we get here. This church with refrigerator rights coming together and meeting the needs of everyone else. And it says that, and with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony. They were sharing freely what God was doing in their lives, how he was changing them, how the outside world was being affected by what was going on with them. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and great grace was upon them. There was not a needy person among them. Man, that's an incredible statement. That they gave in such a way that nobody within their reach was in need. You know, one of the things that I love about our church is our deacons fund. You know, that's a place that people can give to meet the needs of those around them. And every year we meet the needs of people uh, through that fund so that, so that we can make a difference in their lives with the, with the benefits that God has given us. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of the lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each one as they had need. Thus, Joseph, who was also called by the apostle Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. You know, I don't know about you, but I've been called son of a lot of things in my life. But you know, I hope that someday I can be known as the son of encouragement. Somebody who brings encouragement to the lives of everyone that they meet. You know, we see Barnabas here. And to the apostles and to the early church and to those in the community, he was known as somebody who was an encourager. He was a Levite, a native of Cyprus. In fact, he sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. You know, we see Barnabas here as somebody who loved other people. He was an encouragement to others and he freely extended that to whoever he came in contact with. In fact, when we move into Acts chapter 9, we see Paul defending somebody who was not well received by many. In Acts chapter 9, Saul, who was, for, uh, who was a persecutor of the church, he was one who sought in his early life to eradicate the church. In fact, he would go in the middle of church services and scatter people and kill them. And, and Stephen, who we're going to hear about in just a little bit, was persecuted by him. And at Stephen's assassination... He was there holding the coats and approving of what was being done. But yet Paul, as we know Saul, gave his life to Christ. 
And Barnabas was one who stood up before the church and said, this is a true man of God who is able to preach. And then he proceeded to give Paul the platform so that he could extend his reach to as many as possible. Paul and Barnabas continued to travel together to take the gospel to many other people. You know, when we think in this terms of Barnabas, he used his influence and he used his encouragement and he even used his platform to give a voice to somebody else. And then that brings us to Acts chapter 11 and verse 19. And it says this, Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen. Remember we just talked about Stephen's death and Stephen was stoned. And Saul, who we now know as Paul, was there at that death approving of it and holding the coats of those that were doing it. But yet after that, shortly after that, he gave his life to Christ in a miraculous way. As we learned about in the first week, he was called and set apart for the purpose of the gospel. And here we have Barnabas who helped him do that. And as those people were scattered, they traveled far to Phoenicia and Cyrus, Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except the Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists or the Gentiles also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. You know, this is the first time that we see the gospel going to somebody other than the Jewish people. And when that happened, the report came to the church in Jerusalem, and they began to question. They began to ask questions around, is it right that the gospel goes beyond who we know and those people that are here? And so what did they do? They came to the place where they said, we're going to set apart Barnabas, the son of encouragement, to go and report on what's happening. And when Barnabas went, he saw the grace of God was upon them. And he set, told them to remain faithful and steadfast in purpose. For they were good men, full of the Holy Spirit of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord as a result of the preaching to people who were different. You know, when I hear the story of Barnabas... And when I begin to look at his life, I begin to say, I want to be like Barnabas. You know, Barnabas was somebody who, who really didn't care who got the credit for what was happening. What he cared about was encouraging people so that they could become the biggest impact for the gospel that they become. You know, there are a few things that marked the life of Barnabas that I believe if we want to truly live sent, need to mark our life as well. The first thing that I see out of Barnabas' life that we need to model is that we need to be generous with the resources that we have. You know, in the early book of Acts, it said that Barnabas sold the land that he had and laid it at the apostles' feet for them to use to advance the kingdom. You know, many of us would sit here and say, you know what, I'm not a big landowner. I'm not wealthy. I can't sell things that I have to give because I need it to live on. But I want to challenge us that there are resources that each one of us have that we can leverage for the kingdom. The first resource that we have is time. You know, one of the things that I often hear as I'm talking to leaders and other people is that I just don't have enough time. You know, I have this, and I have this, and I have this. You know, this morning, can I challenge us that time is the one thing that all of us have in common? Time is the one thing that we get to choose how we leverage you know, what I've realized in my life is what is my priority gets my time. I want to ask you, how are you going to leverage your time in order to encourage those around you? 
How are you going to leverage your time so that you can encourage those who may be different than you? The second resource that we have is our treasures or those things that we've accumulated. You know, each of us have things that we have, whether it's our houses or our vehicles or resources and finances. But we have to ask the question, how are we going to be generous with the resources that we have in order to invest in the lives of others? You know, one of the greatest people that I know when it comes to encouragement is my wife. And when we were early in our marriage and literally had nothing, I mean, we measured how much money we had in the bank by how many gallons of milk we could buy for our kids. The one thing that we had that we could leverage was our home. And I can remember having 20 and 30 college students in, my, in our home, and my wife was busy taking care of them, serving them drinks. And we had them in our home just for the purpose of encouragement. My wife understood something that it took me a while to understand. And that was that even our smallest resources can be used as an encouragement and a kingdom difference in the lives of those around us. And then I believe the third thing that each of us have that we can use within our resources is the talents and the abilities that God has given us. You know, some of us have the ability to talk with almost anyone. We've never met a stranger in our life. Can I encourage you that maybe you could use that to serve on our connections team? That as people walk into our facility, you can use your gift of gab to be able to talk to them and make them feel encouraged. Maybe you're a kid magnet. Maybe every time you walk out in the neighborhood, the kids are rallying around you and the kids are wanting to be a part of your life and they're saying, come play with me. Uh, would you do that trick again? Would you... Can I challenge you that maybe the talent that you have in the area of kids could be used in our next-gen ministry to make a difference? Maybe you're a student, and what you notice is that any suggestion you give, good or bad, you can rally people around. You know, whether that's a prank, or whether that's settling down in class, or whether that's on a sports team, you realize you have the gift of leadership. You know, if that's you, maybe you need to volunteer to help and influence those within your realm of ability. But I believe each of us have talents that we can use. And we can be generous with those in order to encourage others. The second thing that I believe Barnabas had that we can learn from is that he was generous with the relationships in order to invest in others. You know, it took a huge risk for him to stand up for Paul, who was formerly known as Saul. You know, the church was afraid of this guy. They were questioning whether he was going to come back and kill them and scatter them even further. But yet he took the risk and he said, I'm going to invest and mentor and teach and help give the platform to Saul, who was later known as Paul, so that he could make a kingdom difference. How are you intentionally spending time in relationships? And I want to take that a step further and say, how are you intentionally investing time in relationships with people who are different than you that make you uncomfortable? Last week, Lawrence talked about the issue of the mosaic and, and how we have many different races who attend our church. We ought to be uncomfortable in some of the things that are going on, but we ought to always be intentional in developing relationships and investing in that next generation and investing in those that need us. The third thing that we see from the life of Barnabas 
is that he was generous with his life to make a kingdom impact. When we look at Barnabas, he actually gave his entire life, even to the point of death, in order to invest and then be an encouragement to others. You know, we don't know from Scripture how Barnabas died. But we do know from church history that there are two ways that it's reported that he died. The first way tells us that uh, he was preaching revival in a city. And he was bound with a rope around the neck and dragged to a post where he was burned at the stake. You know, the gospel was so important and relationships were so important. And him being an encouragement to the church was so important that he was willing to die for it. Another account has him stoned to death. Now, there are places that say all of this happened at the same time because of the hatred they had for the church. But what I believe that we can learn from Barnabas is that his life was given in its entirety to encourage others in making a difference for the kingdom. This week, I was listening to a book by David Ross. If you don't know who David Ross is, he was, he was one of the catchers on the Chicago Cubs 2016 World Series teams. And there's a story that he told about encouragement that I believe marks the way that I want to be able to live. During the last game of the 2016 World Series, um, Araldis Chapman, who was the pitcher, came in in relief and blew a three-run lead for the Chicago Cubs. So in the middle of this game, it's coming down to the ninth and 10th inning. And as the game is happening, the game is tied and Araldis Chapman is kicking himself because of the law, because he, he gave up the lead uh, for the Cubs. And as everybody knows who watched that series, at about 11.45 at night, the rain started coming and there was a 20-minute a rain delay. But what most people don't know is what happened during that rain delay. During that rain delay, uh, a guy by the name of Haywood, Jason Haywood, called a team meeting. He had kind of been one of those quiet leaders on the team, and he said, this is going to be a team meeting, and it's players only. So they all went into the locker room, kicked all the coaches out, and the last player to walk in the room was Araldis Chapman. And at that point in his life, Araldis Chapman's life had crushed around him. The pinnacle of what he had imagined was crumbling. You know, he had let this room full of guys down in his mind. And it said this big guy came in crying, head hanging down and crying. The rest of that story is this, that David Ross, when he walked in the room, went over to him and gave him a huge bear hug. Now, can you imagine this? Guys in baseball uniforms give him a big bear hug and said, you're the reason we're even in the World Series. You helped get us here. And at that moment, Jason Hayward and the other leaders in that room began saying things like this. We are going to compete for the brother next to us. We're going to go out and play our hearts out for each other. You know, what happened was amazing. The encouragement that they gave in that locker room caused them to walk out with fire like you wouldn't believe, and they ended up winning the World Series the first time in Chicago Cubs history. And let me tell you this, I'm not afraid to say it. When they won, this boy from Chicago cried. I was in the living room, and my son and I were jumping up and down, tears running down our eyes. 
But the more I learned about the story, the more I realized this, that when we live a life of generosity, when we become like Barnabas, an encouragement to others, we can change the world around us. We can change the world for those we come in contact with. You know, for Barnabas, the son of encouragement. What we know from history is that the encouragement that he gave to guys like Paul, to guys like John Mark, to guys like Peter, to the early church. In fact, through Barnabas's encouragement, we can track the gospel flowing the entire length of the then known world. You know, I don't know about you, but I would love for my life to be marked by encouragement. I would like when I come to the end of my life that those people that I choose to invest in, that they would go farther and do greater things than I'm able to do. I believe that each one of us have the power to do that. This morning, I want to ask you a few questions. In fact, I would encourage you to take the time to answer them as families as you sit in your living room or as watch parties or as circles as you get together. But the first question is this, what resources do I have that I need to leverage for the kingdom? What has God given me that I can now use to make a difference in the lives of those around me? What time, what treasures, what talents do I have that I can use for God's kingdom? The second question I would encourage you to ask is, what relationships are there that I need to be generous with? Who do I need to intentionally go to? Maybe there's somebody in your family that's different from you. Maybe they're struggling and you need to go and be an encouragement for them and make their day. Maybe there's somebody in our community that you know that's having a difficult time, that because of the world events around them, that you just need to lean into and you need to spend time with. Could I encourage you to reach out to them today, to begin investing in relationships that could make a kingdom difference? Invest in relationships that can go further and go faster than you can do on your own. And then the last question that I have for you is, have you given your life to the kingdom? Have you decided in your own life that even if it costs me, I'm willing to follow Christ? You know, you may be here for the first time and you say, you know what, I've really never done that in your life. I would encourage you, if that's you and you're listening, you say, hey, I would like somebody to help me and somebody to walk me through how to do that. I would encourage you, just mention in the chat room that you would like to message with whoever's there and they would be happy to connect you with someone who could walk you through what it means to be a follower of Christ. For those of us who have chosen to give our lives to Christ, today can be a day where we mark that no matter the discomfort that comes, whether it's through through our discomfort in our community, discomfort in our church, discomfort in our personal selves, that we can come to the place where we say, you know what, I am going to set aside my personal preferences and I'm going to be generous with my life, even if it costs me my comfort and even if it costs me my life because I want to make a kingdom impact. You know, I believe that living a life of generosity can alter the course of our future. 
I believe that when we as individuals are generous, it impacts those that are close to us. I believe that it impacts those in our community because they see a lifestyle of generosity that impacts them. I believe that it impacts our nation when communities can come together and make a stand and say that we're going to be generous with what we do. But I also believe that it changes our world. Several years ago, we began partnering with pastors in India. And I remember on the second trip that we made, Denny Koontz went with us. And he was on the trip with me. And Glenn Peck was on the trip. And as we went, we were prepared to teach and help them understand different principles. And the longer that I was there, and the longer that I listened, I realized something, that the differences that we had and the differences that were in our culture came to the place where when we began to listen and understand a mosaic, as Lawrence mentioned, was formed that caused us to walk away changed because of the generosity of each person. Church, can I challenge us this morning that we need to be a people who live out the gospel in our daily lives with generosity. We need to be willing to take the gospel and invest it with our resources, with our relationships, and with fully our lives in order to make the greatest kingdom impact possible. This morning, I want to pray for you. And this is what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask that as I pray, that you identify one of these areas in your life that you say, you know what, over this next week, I'm going to take my next step on my journey to find and follow Christ. I'm going to institute this into my life. I'm going to meet with this person. I'm going to volunteer my talents in this way. I'm going to give in this way. I'm going to seek out relationships. And I'm going to give my life for the kingdom. Father, this morning, as we close our time together, Lord, I pray that each one of us would in our own hearts determine where do we need to increase our generosity. Lord, what do you want each of us to do to take the gospel as Barnabas did and live it out and be known as a son of encouragement? Lord, I believe that if each of us did that, that corporately we would see an incredible move of God, that we would become the mosaic of what you desire us to become. Lord, we love you and we thank you for the gift of your son. Help us to live out the gospel with our lives. And we ask it all in your son's name. Amen.